Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Last week, I gave a virtual presentation to the parents of a middle school here in Colorado. After the presentation, I asked if there was any questions from the parents. And one of the questions that a particular parent asked has really stayed with me since. The parent asked if I had any recommendations on how to help their son, who is new to the school, but even though he's trying, he's really struggling to make new friends. And I don't think I gave that parent a very good answer. When I responded, I, I stammered quite a bit, threw out some ideas. I recommended that they check out what types of clubs and other activities that the school offers and to see if the school offers any of them virtually. And then I went on to suggest to the parent that they should see what types of opportunities the community provides for young people to connect. And after those pearls, I babbled on for a while longer, and then I wrapped up my mediocre response by blurting out, tell them to hang in there. So after that, and after there weren't any more questions from the parents, I thanked everybody for attending, hit that little red leave the Zoom meeting button thing, and then I closed my laptop. And after that, I just sat there in my office for quite a while, reflected on my day, and spent some time reflecting on the presentation that I had just given. And as I sat there, I just couldn't stop thinking about the student who was struggling, struggling to make friends at their new school. And while I was thinking about him, I began to think about my own middle school years. When between the ages of 11 and 14, I attended four different schools in three different states. And I remembered that for several months at the start of my ninth grade year, I didn't have any friends. And I was too afraid to eat lunch in the cafeteria because I didn't have anybody to sit with, to talk to. So every day, my dad would pick me up at lunchtime in his old Cadillac DeVille. He'd pick me up and we'd head down to Steamboat Park or Capitol Lake. And that's where I would sit there, eat my ham sandwich, and look out the window at the waterfowl, mainly Canadian geese and a few mallards. And that was how I spent every lunch period for several months. And as I was remembering this period of my life, I was able to pull up some of the emotions that I experienced during that time. I remembered how hard it was, how nervous I got once my dad would crank the caddy to head back to the school. I remember crying my eyes out when he started to drive. And I remember begging him to please take a left. Take a left when we got to the stop sign on Capitol Avenue. But every time he made a right turn, which brought me back to school, he never once took that left that led back home. And today, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm extremely grateful that my dad always took that right turn. So, after I had taken my own little trip down memory lane, I began to think about just how much harder it must be for that middle schooler, that child of the parent who asked the question after my presentation, that young man who is struggling to make friends at his new school. I thought about how much more challenging and painful it must be for him because of the differences and difficulties that the school year has provided. And I don't know exactly what the breakdown has been, but could be, you know, they, they started in person, then went to remote, then to hybrid, 
back to remote, back to hybrid. But whatever the order has been, I just can't imagine how hard that must be for all students, but especially for those who are new to a school or to a community. I would imagine that he hasn't been able to get his feet set to gain any momentum when it comes to connecting with his peers. And I assume that most of the school's social opportunities have been reduced or removed. Transitions, they're difficult for all people, but they're especially hard on our youth. And when I say that, I'm not trying to make a point about what learning models schools should be using or anything like that. All I'm trying to do is imagine what that student and others like him must be going through during this school year. And while I was thinking about how trying and taxing it must be, I had a moment of levity when I thought about one of the pieces of advice that I gave to that parent. I laughed a bit when I thought, yeah, I'm sure that parent who voluntarily spent their evening listening to my presentation, which just so happened to be organized and advertised by their child's school, yeah, I'm betting that parent had not yet considered my ingenious and inventive idea about reaching out to the school to see what type of social opportunities the school could provide. And then I had another laugh when I thought about the hackneyed advice I closed with, that being the uh, enthusiastic, tell them to hang in there. Tell them to hang in there? <laughs> really? That's the best you got, Thompson? And after all of that, I thought about just how much patience, persistence, and perseverance it must take for this young person to continue to log into their classes, participate, or walk into the school two days a week when doing a hybrid schedule. I began to grasp and then appreciate the intestinal fortitude it must take for him to hang in there, to try again tomorrow. And when those last three words bubbled up into my mind, they sounded familiar. And not just familiar, they sounded relevant, significant. So I just sat there. And as I sat there, I was able to figure out why those three words resonated so strongly with me. It was because those are the last three words of a quote that once meant a whole lot to me. But for whatever reason, I had forgotten. But once I was able to recall what the quote was, things became a bit more clear. I was then able to figure out what word, what word best describes this middle schooler who kept trying, who kept going to school and attempting to make new friends during this different, different and difficult school year. The word was right there, right there to start the quote. And I hear you, enough buildup already. So here's the quote. Courage does not always roar. Sometimes, courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. I realized this quote from Marianne Radmicker. It provided the word, the perspective, and the best description of what this young person was demonstrating by continuing to try to put himself out there. It was courage. He was and is courageous for doing what he's doing by continuing to make an effort to connect. I wish I would have shared Mary's quote with that parent. And a part of my motivation for doing this episode is the hope that the parent who asked that question might someday listen to this. And I hope that that parent has or will acknowledge their own courage for hanging in there, standing next to, 
standing with their child through this tough time. And I'm embarrassed to say that up until now, I didn't realize just how difficult it must have been for my dad to do what he did. Not difficult because he had to stop whatever he was doing Monday through Friday, make me a ham sandwich and drive to the school, sit with me for 20 minutes or so. I was aware of that difficulty that could be described as a inconvenience, but I wasn't fully aware of the difficulty it must have been for him to continue to make the choice all those months to listen to me, to listen to and feel just how hard it was for me to go to that school, to walk those hallways, feeling afraid and alone. And I now realize the courage that he had and the courage that he revealed by taking that right turn every single day, even though I would cry and beg him not to. So, in my role as a therapist, I focus mainly on the experience of the child. But that question from a courageous parent, combined with my recollection of my middle and high school years, what it did was it brought about a realization about how difficult it must be for the parent to hear about, to listen to, support, and go through that type of experience with their child. On this podcast, I have a tendency to focus on what can be done. I try to provide actionable steps that will help you and your child. And while I do quite often talk about the importance of support, I will acknowledge I have a tendency to focus on the solutions that are possible. Sort of a control the controllables, which can be things like focusing on getting enough sleep, exercising, eating right, journaling, meditating for five to 10 minutes every day, and being grateful for what is. And yes, absolutely, I still believe that these practices, these efforts will prove to be helpful for anyone who's willing to take the time and put in the energy to implement them. But in the past week, I've been reminded that there are times when people need something more. And it's something I haven't talked about in over a hundred episodes of this podcast. And for that, I apologize. But I realize that what so many people, and that definitely includes me, but what so many of us have needed this past year is something called hope. I believe that middle schooler and his parent, along with countless of others, have shown a great deal of courage by continuing to have hope, to hope that tomorrow will be different, hope that it will be better than yesterday. And I'm not saying that it's not important to learn from our past, stay present and be grateful for what is, or to take action and make choices that will lead toward a more balanced and fulfilling life. But there are times when we need to carry with us a sense of hope that things will get better. And of course, when I began to focus on the feeling of hope, I had to look up some quotes on hope. This quote finding process can be a bit hit or miss, but I did find one that had a big impact on me. So I want to share it. It's from Nikki Bannis. And it goes, if you only carry one thing throughout your entire life, let it be hope. Let it be hope that better things are always ahead. Let it be hope that you can get through even the toughest of times. Let it be hope that you are stronger than any challenge that comes your way. Let it be hope that you are exactly where you're meant to be right now and that you are on the path to where you are meant to be. Because during these times, hope will be the very thing that carries you through.
End of quote. And since I'm already headed down this uh, sentimental pathway, I want to close with something my grandma Wilma would tell me when I was growing up. She was, um, yeah, for lack of a better word, um, just an incredible human being. And not only was she the most grateful person I ever knew, she was also the most hopeful person I had ever met. When I was being negative, when I would freak out, when all I could talk about and think about was being highly pessimistic about my future or the future of others, my grandma would always be positive about not just today, but also about tomorrow and all the days that followed. She was attentive. She was engaged. She cared. She listened. And while doing all that, she always just had this optimistic and hopeful energy. And sometimes I'd be so confused about her energy, her outlook, so perplexed that I would just have to stop my groaning and griping for a second and ask her, Grandma, why are you always so optimistic? What gives you such a sense of hope that good things lie ahead? And in response to that, she would always say, Well, Nick, I'd rather spend my days watering the flowers than pulling weeds. So I wanted to share that story about my grandma Wilma, who, fun fact, spent the majority of her life living in a town that was named, yeah, Hope. She was from Hope, North Dakota. So I thought that was worth mentioning. But I wanted to share her words because I know, I know that if she were still around during what's been an incredibly difficult time for most people, I know that she would tell me and give the opportunity. She would tell that middle schooler and his parent that even though it may be hard, we must continue to take time every single day to water not just the flowers of gratitude for what is, but we must also have the courage to save a little extra so that we can water the flowers of hope. Taking time each day to water the flowers of hope to keep them alive and well. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.